Hi, this is Mike from Sound Iron. Today I'm talking to Dean Ogden of Scorecast, talking about recording on the road, good gear, and unusual instruments. So uh, where, are you, where, are we, where are we talking to you from? I'm actually in the Philippines right now. I'm in Manila. You are literally yeah. a globetrotter. Like... Yeah, I had a speaking thing here yesterday, and, and then I'm going to take off here in a couple of hours and go back to Jakarta, my family. Nice. So, yeah. See, hopping over because I think the last time we 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 spoke, you were in South Africa, I think. Oh, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent probably a collective about, I'd say maybe two and a half or three months total there this last year. You know, how just, did you? Well, I want to ask, where did you? Where are you from? Like, where were you? Where did you grow up? I was born in Corvallis, Oregon. So, which is like, it's like an hour south of Portland, just right down the I-5. And um, it's just a little college town, about 37,000 people when I left there. That's not too bad. Tiny, yeah. And uh, how did you find yourself becoming such an international explorer? Well, I uh, it didn't really start until just fairly recently the last five or six years when I started coming overseas but you know I mean I I lived in Los Angeles I moved to LA the week after 9-11 and lived there for full time for 10 years until 2010 and um and I started traveling doing you know I kind of I kind of got to the point in LA where I was I just I just knew there had to be more stuff happening elsewhere you know I mean a lot of music stuff happening in LA obviously you know kind of the entertainment capital of the world or whatnot, but, you know, a series of personal issues. And, you know, I, I, uh, I moved to LA with my first wife and we got divorced while I was living in LA. And so just, you know, that, and, and just, you know, the music career, you know, being kind of being what it was in terms of everybody freaking out, you know, with, the turn of the internet and the digital piracy and all that kind of stuff. And everyone started kind of getting squirmy and, and I'm just, I'm just the kind of person that I just don't, you know, I don't want to be around like negativity and, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to be doing stuff, you know, I mean, kind of like kind of how I envision you being just, you know, constantly, you know, wanting to be better and, you know, and, um, the next thing's got to always be better than the last, you know? And yeah. so I feel like a so lot I, of people on our industry are just, they're just addicted to worrying about things or having this big, uh, big threat on the horizon. They're constantly chasing what everybody else is doing and make sure that nobody else beats you to the punch. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of feels like sometimes like just creatives in general, I think maybe. Like somebody's always trying to steal something from you. Yeah. Like gotta... they can't function unless there's some drama going on, yeah. you know? And so, and I just kind of, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really into that. And so I, I just thought, you know, there must be other things going on out in the world. There must be, you know, must be musical stuff happening elsewhere, whether it's, you know, just indigenous things, whatever. So I kind of made a snap decision really to sell all my stuff. And I sold, you know, I got rid of my place and got rid of my car and got rid of all my gear and got rid of, you know, my girlfriend at the time. (laughs) Just kind of like got on a plane and packed a bag and put as much gear into a backpack as I could fit. Now, therein lies the problem. You're a drummer. How do you, how do you 
do you just find what you find where you end up and play that or do you bring stuff with you what do you yeah mean? kind of in a in a in a sense i mean i <clears throat> you know i at the time at the time that i left la i was a dw in dorsey so i could kind of get drums wherever i went and as i got over to asia that kind of changed i switched companies and went with tama which is who i started with when i was a young kid and nice. uh so you know i mean when you're when you've got like endorsement stuff you can it's it's a little bit easier to get your hands on things because they can you know they can meet you halfway or you know can drop ship things to you or whatever so that that wasn't that wasn't really the the big deal the bigger deal was you know recording gear and like how are you gonna how do you basically essentially fit a studio into a backpack you know so i had Mm -hmm. to get real creative and real do a lot of research about how people do mobile recording and you know probably a lot of the stuff that you guys do at yeah. sound iron just with like you know handheld recording and and booms and stuff and just figuring out you know microphones which which, which are the best to record in the field and so on and so forth because mm-hmm. i was traveling around and doing just basically field recordings you know finding people to play with on the street turning on whatever i had there and and going for it you know and after a couple of months of traveling around and realizing, you know, and then once you get over to Japan, it's like it's like the electronics universe, you know. So you can, I mean, I, I wound up with a really super thin line Samsung screen that they don't even make in the States. You can't even really get them unless you're in, in northern Asia. And um, it just slides into a backpack and just super, super sleek and clean and flat and takes up no space. And then I had a Mac mini that I had modded out for a while and found a guy that modded Mac minis and he could cram like 32 at the, at the time, 32 gigs in a Mac mini was like nice. not, you couldn't, you couldn't do it, you know, unless you modded it with a chassis and stuff underneath. And so I did that and I just kind of tried to build something that I could literally switch on in a hotel room and have up in five minutes, you know, so I could write and compose and produce. And so that was really the challenge. The drums were, the drums were easy because there's drums pretty much everywhere, but the recording stuff, you know, I mean, you know, you get used to working a certain way and you want to have things, you know, familiar and, and whatnot. And so, but once I figured that out, it was pretty, pretty simple. And it's really kind of the same bare bones system that I still use today. Even, I mean, I just, I have a Mac mini that's modded out and it's probably coming to the end of its life cycle because it's been used so much over the last several years. But, and then I got Thunderbolt drives, you know, just everywhere scattered all over the place and a little controller and a trackball and the slimline screens, two of them now, probably the most assorted things I have is my microphone collection and then just a track 16 and that's it. You know, what kind of mics do you use? I use Neumann TLM 127s. Nice 127. Uh, which one is that? Fuck, I'm like Baby I'm a, one. Oh, so it's smaller than the uh, 102. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Neumann junk. That's all we use is, is the Neumann TLM line for the most part. Yeah, the 127 is like it's an older mic. It's I think maybe they were making them like in the mid 2000s. Oh, uh, okay. So it was. It might, the, it might have even preceded that one. I'm not sure. The it's the tiniest. It's the tiniest one. It's like a $600, $700 mic. It's great, man. I use them for acoustic guitars and vocals, and sometimes for drums if I'm, you know, in a bind. Yeah, the TLM series is really good for um, noise and for 
like loud stuff. So we use yeah, that's the thing. The noise the noise floor on them is really really low. Yeah, you can you can get away with a lot. So I use those a lot, and then I'm I really love blue mics. I um some of the not all of them, but some of them I have um I have a couple of baby bottles, and I have a two Dragonfly deluxes. Oh gosh, what else? I have a a mouse, which I don't use really that much anymore unless I'm using it for a podcast or something every once in a while. But, and then I have a, a sure beta, um, 57 B, you know, the big broadcaster mics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a couple of Royer ribbon mics and that's really it for, you know, kind of good stuff. And then I got a bunch of junky crap that I carry around just for backups, you know, mm-hmm. old sure beat up like, you know, 58s and stuff like that. But yeah. But uh, I use that, and then I use um, I use my Zoom recorder a lot, my my H4n quite a bit, you know, just um, capturing things like out when I just just on battery, and uh, and then sometimes even like when I did my first album, Eastern Chronicle, a lot of the vocals were captured on an iPhone, believe it or not, and straight in or through a like a one of those attachment. No, I didn't even have one of those at the time. Like those lav mics, I didn't yeah. have any anything. I just used the speaker, the mic and the speaker, and just went direct, just, just you know, just live, basically. Nice. And um, most of the stuff I couldn't use, but probably, you know, 30 or 35% of it ended up on the album. And you know, after a lot of scrubbing, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> to get all the birds and pig noises out of it and stuff. The best things. A lot of times when we're doing like our anti-drum libraries, we don't, we, we leave all that stuff in because that's kind of the point is like, it's the weird right. stuff you find where you are and uh, yeah. you've been all over the place. So I imagine a lot of the ambient sounds that you've, uh, you've come across are pretty, pretty amazing. Dude, I've gotten some really good, like when I was in the, at the, bamboo forest in Kyoto when I was working on that album in like as 2012 I guess I just I just set it there on a on a at the base of a bamboo stock and just left it there for like an hour and went and got something to eat and came back it was this was like way out like I walked clear out off the path and stuff out in the middle where nobody was and just left it there and then in like in a ziploc bag and then um and just got this killer ambience for like, you know, 48 minutes or something of just this amazing, just no people, no noise at all. It was far enough away from like all the tourist stuff. And just it was it was great. It was, you know, super clear. Um, and I just plugged the the Royers into, you know, that Zoom has XLR connectors mm-hmm. and you just stick it in there and just leave them. And it was it was awesome. Yeah. So I've captured some really cool ambiences and some really cool um effects and and different you know um different animal noises and turning those into samples and you know processing them and doing stuff like that and Mm -hmm. it's you know it's just kind of another just another great way to create just another creative outlet you know yeah and it's it's kind of part of the process now where you the, the the line between you know uh recording and synthesizing is just broken down where everything's kind of just this big bucket of paint you can draw from. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It always, it always kind of, I always kind of scratch my head when people, you know, people kind of balk sometimes or, you know, I haven't, I haven't encountered it lately, but I've definitely encountered my share of people who kind of balk at like, you know, loops or, 
or samples or, you know, things that they haven't actually organically created themselves. And I think, well, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, rather than you going out and doing the work yourself, you're you're paying someone else to do it. It's like an outsource expense and you're just, you know, and that, and that stuff is all, it's all, it's all colors for your palette. It's not like, you know, I don't know what the stigma is there. You know, people kind of have a little bit of a hard time sometimes getting over maybe the pride of just not create it myself or, you know, whatever. But I find that, you know, whether it's a sample library or something I'm using of yours or, you know, maybe a loop library that I've found somewhere, whatever. I mean, you can run it through anything and just totally mangle it, make it or, or not, you know, and just use it as an underbed for what you're really doing on top or whatever. And, and just, you know, getting, I think getting creative with those kinds of things and really utilizing them as tools rather than crutches is, you know, a real liberating experience when you're trying to create something fresh. And so I always love finding sound sources that are unique and different and, you know, and like you said, kind of dirt, kind of on the dirtier side, you know, that you can, you can hear the, you can hear the person's, you know, hand brushing the cloth of their coat or whatever, when they're switching frets or, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I love that kind of stuff. There's a piano. I can't remember the name of it that, that was just released. I just heard a demo of it the other day. I don't actually own it, but it, it was like really like, like rickety and you could hear like the, the wood stretching as the person was like leaning forward on the, on the bench to, you know, tap the sustain pedal or whatever. I mean, yeah. just, you know, things like that is really super cool. I love that kind of stuff. You're, you're, um, I think it was, um, the street ear who that you guys did a couple of years ago was like that. Yeah. You know, that was, that was had a, a lot of really cool ambient effects in it that were just incidental, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I mean that a lot of what we do, is we kind of try to have fun with that. And we, we had a piano, the drinking piano, it was kind of like that. The, you know, we, when playing it, you know, the thing, you know, the bench would creak and the whole thing would thud. Yeah. And, that might, might've been the one that I was listening to or the, the or did you guys just come out with an organ yeah like we, we just did a traveler organ which is this um i mean i don't exactly know how portable i mean guess back then you throw it on the back of a horse-drawn right, cart or a right. wagon and you'd go and i guess that's as portable as you really needed back then but uh, yeah yeah this, this big foot pump thing so you know it was 100 and maybe 1520 years old or more we didn't really wow. even have a exact date but it's not a great tone but it was creaky as hell and so yeah, we made so sure to capture piece. a lot of that flavor without you know it's like it's 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 a it's challenge to to balance capturing it without it, letting that get in the way so that you can right. kind of dial it back when you need it yeah well i like how you guys make it you know you it's an it's like optional like you mm -hmm. can toggle it on and off or you can you know adjust the the sensitivity of the effects or you know i mean it's there's always some sort of it seems like there's always some sort of a setting you can use to mix in just enough yeah you know to make it sound real authentic and that's that i love that kind of stuff man because i mean there are you know there's there are times when you need uh a little bit and there's times when you need a ton of that kind of flavor and then there right. are times when you need it you want it clean let's uh let's move on to what's ahead for uh for you what do, what do you what's uh What's next on the uh, the road for Dean? Um, I'm actually I'm I'm doing a quick little project right now that'll be out for the holidays, and um, it'll be be out right around the first of November, and I'm just wrapping that up now. I'm working with some 
vocalists, some some female vocalists uh, over in like Europe and, you know, Julie Elvin and people like that. And um, I'm going to turn that out here in, in just a few weeks. And then and then uh, the third, I got one more album left on my contract with my record label and um, another world music album. And I'm probably um, going to be end up spending... Either the tail end of 2016 or the beginning of 2017 over in the British Isles area doing that. Probably take off and and move there for like five months to record that. And so I'm really looking forward to that. That'll kind of be the last of my quote unquote trilogy of, you know, world music projects and probably the biggest one that I've done so far in terms of logistics and you know, instrumentalists and working with different people and stuff like that. So that one's, I mean, that's in the, in the, in the stages of infancy now, it's like planning it and getting mm-hmm. the airfare figured out and the logistics of going from place to place. And I've done it two times now. So I have a pretty good system of how to do it with as little expense as possible and, you know, try to maximize the locations and stuff. And so so that'll be what I'm basically spending the next, probably the next year, year and a half on is doing that. Nice. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and then I have a, I've got a television library company that I've had for years that, that, it, that was in the States when I was there. And then when I, about a year after I started traveling, I moved it to Singapore and set it up in Singapore. So I've got, I've got three or four composers over there and, and my assistant who kind of runs that and, and they do syndicated TV that's like um, shows that are show that are that are popular in like Australia and Southeast Asia and New Zealand um, for a company called Star World, which is like a, a Sony offshoot um, owned by Sony, the Sony Corporation. And they do, you know, original programming for that area as well as syndicated stuff from the States that has to be rescored because of rights, mm-hmm. you know, issues. And so we do that kind of stuff there. And so that's rolling and uh, Scorecast 10th anniversary coming up in January. Nice. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, man. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun, you know, little 18 month stint ahead. Yeah. You know? Sounds like it's going to be a busy ride. Yeah. So I think we're in a good, we're in a good spot. You know, nice. about you guys, what's, um, I mean, I'm sure you can't really talk about a whole lot of things, but you know, we've, we've kind of started relaxed about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like right now today actually was working on, uh, we're working on six, six, uh, the next in our horror series. Oh really? Okay. And this one's really going to be all uh, about trailer. Well, I call them trailer stingers and effects, but really what they are is just you know dramatic elements of all types, uh, but yeah. sp- like of all kind of flavors geared toward horror. So some okay. of them being kind of acoustic instrument based, and some of them purely sound design based. Awesome. Um, so wow, it's really the sixth one. Yes, yeah, the sixth. Dang, that's amazing. Yeah, we're going to try some new stuff with this as far as features, but the idea will be very easy to use Stinger library. Okay. Stinger in uh an ambient bed. So just um it's weird we actually haven't done this with Sick yet as far as, you know, just this kind of thing. So we've covered almost every end of the horror world with sound with the with the right. series. And uh we're just wrapping up the 
um, death whistle, the Aztec death yeah. whistle, which is uh, it's a strange instrument because I wouldn't say it doesn't sound good. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> good is not the word. It sounds kind of horrifying, uh-huh. but it fits because it was used uh, during human sacrifice. And oh, war, okay. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the from what I understand, they would make the person who was about to get sacrificed play it. Oh my it gosh! They carry help carry their uh, their spirit to the afterlife. So wait, how did you get a hold of one of these? Things? They're made like, again. Did... So so okay. So, so the last, I guess, the last few decades, they started, you know, kind of understanding what these things were that they were finding, you know, in some cases clutched in the head or in the hands of of human sacrifice victims. Wow. And getting the idea of them. And they're these, they're, they're, they're monotonal. There's these two, they're two cha- uh, chambered clay instruments. And it just creates this, uh, this resonance. It's just a resonator, kind of in a way like a bird call. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're about the size of the palm of your hand. And okay. the one we have is shaped like a skull. And uh, you blow into the top of it and it just makes this, well, let me play it for you. Uh, but you might want to be careful. This, it's a piercing sound. All right, go ahead. I'm ready. Wow, interesting. It's like a. It's it's it. It sounds like somebody taking their last breath. Exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah. a screeching banshee. And uh, wow. I mean, obviously, it's not. It's not a. It's not a note, really. It's uh, right. but you know, of course. So we we had to do with this was just sample it every way we could. We did it in a in a large cathedral, a couple of mic distances, and then dry in a booth. We got percussion on it, and then did a lot of sound design work with it. So just mm-hmm. trying to capture um, sort of the spirit of this little thing. You know, it's just going to be this fun little library. Uh, it's great. You know, kind of for collectors, if you will, for people who are just interested in the weird stuff. Yeah, who just want that weird thing every now and again. Yeah, and so yeah. It's, it's a recreation of a, I, you know, I, I don't know if, if it's a, considered a religious artifact, but it kind of is. I would say so, yeah. yeah. Interesting. So very interesting, wow. very weird one. And then after yeah. that, we're, do, we're moving on to, we got a lot of other cool little things recorded. We got... Something like twenty-five sizes of Noah Bell that we finally recorded in a couple. Oh, of places. sweet! And I love the they're just those raspy, dark, dark-sounding bells. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know what those things are actually called? I don't. I, they're just always called Noah Bells here. I think so. Yeah, I've never heard them called anything else. Is there is there supposedly another name for them or like an official? I know they're they're from they're from Asia. Yeah. So I'm not, but I'm not sure. Oh, we're gonna have to. Do a little research. A lot of times, what we do is we we see things, we hear things, we get them, and figure out right. what, what they are, what to do with them later. Because we're just following our ears more than anything else yeah. we do. Yeah, we're not. Uh, we're definitely not the kind of guys who just like think, oh, what's what's cool now. It's more like, what was that? What did you know? What right. did you see today? Well, I saw this thing, and we grab yeah. it and then eventually get around to getting it out. You guys should think about, or I mean, maybe you have. Um, there's a lot of South African instruments that are really cool and unique. I mean, like, I mean, this one is is kind of uh, a staple, but, you know, like a Kora, you know, um, which is just a little South African, well, Northern African too, but, but a lot of South African, like a little kind of a cross between a ukulele and a, and a four and like a mandolin. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it has just this really unique kind of, well, I actually used one in a demo that I did for you guys when I did that thing with the Birdmen. Yeah, that thing. It's, yeah, it does sound like a banjo. Yeah, it's got kind of a banjo-y kind of, but it's nylon strings, you know, and it's got, or catgut strings, and it's it's just got a really funky tone, and I don't think anybody's ever sampled one of those. Not that I'm aware of, anyway. I guess you'd probably sample um, it more. It doesn't have frets, right? Or does it? It does. Well, no, it it it, it has it has frets, but they're they're like they're not frets like you would see like on an acoustic guitar with like a you know with the bar or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're scalloped, so they're like impressions in the fingerboard where you where you put your fingers. So like the fingerboard looks kind of like it's like got little slight indentations in it, mm-hmm. and that's where the notes are. So you just put your fingers there. And it you so you can't really play a wrong note. I mean, unless it's not tuned. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like have you ever seen like like Billy Sheehan's bass? He always scallops his frets. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Nice. Yeah, it so looks like a fascinating it's a, instrument. It's a cool little thing, man. It's really cool. Yeah. I'll have to pick one of those up. It's got a really unique sound to it and and some people down there man they can really play that freaking thing i mean when you look at it you kind of go like man how would you boogie down on something like that you know but they can really get around on it it's pretty amazing nice yeah greg uh greg stevens uh in our group he uh he's super into string exotic string instruments so i'm gonna send okay. him a picture of this thing he's gonna want one right away yeah yeah they're a lot of fun they kind of have a weird there's a weird tuning to them, and then, you know, it has those strange, like, I don't know what you call them, those tuning pegs on the side, you know, and you yeah. can, I mean, you can really do some really funky things with them, and it's a lot of fun, man. I have to figure that thing out. We'll probably have I'm to watch a lot around. of... Yeah. Watch a lot of YouTube videos to figure out how these yeah. things work. <laughs> a lot of tutorials. That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Totally. Well, my favorite thing is still... The Apocalypse Percussion Ensemble. I yeah, still I use that thing just about on everything that I do, man. Nice. I love that thing. Yeah, it's a it's a cool uh just pile of drums. It's every drum that we basically owned all brought together into a hall. We're we're gonna expand it for sure. We're sort of thinking about how we wanna go about it. I'm just a huge fan of drums, every kind. That was my first instrument. Uh, I'm really interested in collecting some Chinese uh, war drums. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, those things are huge. Uh, yeah, I think I want to say that the composer Tan Doon, is that how you yeah. say his name? Tan Doon, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the Hero soundtrack, just, yeah. it, it was like, holy shit, that is amazing sounding. Yeah, yeah. And ever since yeah. then, I was like, that's, those are the drums I want to get my hands on. Yep. Yeah, those are magnificent, man. And they also have those big, those big kettlebell looking things. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen those? Yeah. They look they look like landmines almost. Those things are sick, man. Those big, they big, big, I don't know what they're called even, but they're they just have a a big clanky bell sound to them. Mm-hmm. And but they're tuned. I love those things. Yeah, he's got some really cool stuff going on in that score and his, you know, his um solo stuff. I mean, he's got so many different things happening. But yeah, those war drums are awesome, man. Those are huge. Yeah, I gotta figure out how we can find some of those. They're not exactly yeah. easy to find. Really? No, not around. Which is surprising because we're in the Bay Area. But yeah, 
um, you know, or at least not for sale. And I haven't found a like an instrument maker around that, uh, at least that that you know is has a web presence. So it'll probably right. take a little bit more hunting, or maybe we'll have to. Um, Jan Hoagland, our um, our A and R guy, he's managing the show at uh, Iron Scores. He speaks uh, he speaks um, Chinese, so okay, I might see if he can maybe track down um, sure. some drums for us. But yeah, man, that's been that. That's that kind of where we're gonna go, and then we're gonna also add some timpanis to to Apocalypse Percussion Ensemble and. Okay. Some grand, cause like basically the largest bass drums we can find. I want to get you know right. big five footer. Yeah, get some crazy stuff like that. Just and to, add some low end to the library. Exactly, that's where we want yeah. to go with it. Sweet man, that'll be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's pretty, it's a pretty complete situation already. But that would just be the icing on the cake in terms of you know. I mean, you could use it for everything at that point. Yeah, that's orchestral. The... And, you know. Exactly. So that's yeah, our that's, uh, that's our roadmap for that one. Cool. So that's what we awesome. got. Awesome. That'll be great. Are you gonna Are you gonna let any information loose on like anything about the brass stuff? Like, are you guys gonna expand into other sections of the orchestra, or is that are you just kind of waiting to see how that goes, or what? We we're definitely doing lots of stuff, and uh, we've already done stuff, and stuff will mm-hmm. come forth. Uh, but I can't really get into more details. I really yeah. wish we could. Yeah. Uh, but all in good time. Yeah. Has it been pretty successful though? The brass stuff. Yeah. It's the first time you first time you guys have really done anything that was like straight up traditional, right? Oh, uh, well, we've got so many choirs. It's ridiculous, actually. Well, yeah, choirs, but I mean like instrument, like orchestral instrumentation. Yeah, we t- we really we're really happy with drum the way, stuff here and there. Yeah, we're really happy with the way it turned out, and it and it uh, allowed us to sort of prove some techniques. We really started with the choirs, and uh, you know carry in and the you know and then. You know, from there we we were able to leverage those methods to do more stuff, which will the future yeah. will bring. But for mm-hmm. us, the real driving force was the sound. Yeah, it's really picky about that, and um, you know, just a, a massive, massive, big open sound. We we go by ear, so we're not really fixated too much on uh, classical miking in that sense. We want things to sound huge, so we right. close mic'd with a lot of mics, big arrays of mics out in the hall to get the different positions. You know, it was a good opportunity to test those ideas out. And, and then you know, work we've heard people do with it is amazing. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff floating around with that library. Yeah. I was just listening to your playlist again a couple of days ago, just like, wow, amazing. Yeah, it's it's beautiful stuff. You know, and, yeah. uh, well, your piece was, was pretty phenomenal there, too. It was a lot of fun, man. I mean, it's it kind of. I used the solo ensemble, and mm-hmm. you know what it really reminded me of, of like you know, like goldsmith horns. I always think of like Patton and a patch of blue, and you know where he had those staccato fadeaways, mm-hmm. you know, and and some of those, some of the trumpet articulations, especially, you know, really reminded me of that kind of sound. Like if you just mix in enough room tone or enough of enough of the room mics to kind of get that air about it and um it has a really unique sound i mean somebody was asking me the other day what i thought of it and i said you know it's not it's it's one of those libraries that just has a particular to me at least it has a particular feel and a tone to it and it and it's like it's old school kind of it's like it's not 
because so many libraries are like, you know, they all kind of, I don't know, I don't know, I'm getting in trouble saying this, but they all kind of sound the same in terms of like the bigness and the Hollywoodness of it, you mm -hmm. know? And that library to me is more of like a kind of a, just kind of a throwback to like the kind of brass that I liked when I was, you know, like John Williams, Superman brass type of stuff, you know? Yeah, we listened to just, we were just listening to John Williams stuff over and over. Because, um, I mean, that's that's what we were after. You know, it was the, you yeah. know, to the kind of Indiana Jones soundtrack. Was yeah, sort of exactly. To us, like the guiding light and, and Star right. Wars. Just just stuff that would just jump right out. Really dynamic. And that's well, that's yeah. why we spent so much time on the dynamic uh, expression articulations. Right. Just because that yeah, that's, that's kind of how you needed to get that. You know, sustained staccatos, but those other articulations... And some of the special, you know, um, kind of the step ups and downs, things that you could do to, to build risers and dramatic moments. Right. And so that's what yeah. a lot of that was about for us. So, yeah. We, yeah, it's really It's kind of building on that same theme, you know, and uh, what we've got coming next will be, you know, carrying forward that same uh, concept. You know, in the end, we're going to record all the symphonic sections. Cool. That's uh, that's awesome. our master plan, and we're just going to each each one we do. We're gonna put a lot of care into it to make sure each one is specifically built to the, to the vision we have in mind. Yeah, which is well, I'm digging it, man. I love the direction, and I'm using the brass a little bit on this project I'm working on now for the holidays. It's got you know a little bit of little horns in there here and there poking through, and nice. So. It's, uh, it's good stuff, man. I wouldn't be able to do much of what I do without you guys, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, neither would we. I mean, it's without without you guys, without without Scorecast and, and just the whole composer community, the, what we'd be doing would just be farting in the wind. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we really appreciate you guys and I'm, you know, I'm 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 happy that that uh we hooked up and it's been such a good relationship and you know, mm -hmm. we got we got our big our big 10 year coming. We're going to we're going to do something special this year different than what we've done in years past with being at the at the the old El Torito. We're going to go a little bit bigger this year, I think, and nice. And do some other fun stuff and so I look forward to seeing you guys there absolutely great cool man well, dean it was great to talk to you again yeah thanks for chatting dude i appreciate it man yeah we'll uh we'll be in touch real soon all right sounds good all right take it easy cool bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.